welcome you this morning to the Lord's house and to our day of worship. We want to begin by singing Psalm 95. The opening verse says, O come, and let us to the Lord in songs our voices raise with joyful noise. Let us to the rock of our salvation praise. We were thinking last Lord's Day about the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the rock of our salvation. And this term appears many times in Scripture, and each time it brings us back to the solid foundation that we have trusting in the Lord Jesus, and that's our hope today. So we encourage you as we stand and lift our voices to the Lord that we do so with all our hearts. Please. Let us come now with our hearts in praise and prayer. Open our hearts to the Lord as we come to worship Him today. Our loving God and Father, we are thankful for the great grace and privilege that allows us to be here in Your house today on another, another day, a brand new Lord's Day. And dear Father, as we lift our hearts in song and worship with this opening psalm today, we pray, Lord, that every distraction, every other concern that might crowd in upon a day of worship would be set aside. And Lord, we come to exalt and to magnify 
the name of our Lord in heaven. We come, Father, in the Savior's precious name. We want to pray and exalt Him whom alone is worthy of all honor and majesty and glory and praise. And Father, we humble ourselves in Your presence this morning and we pray that the Spirit of God will enable us to worship in spirit and in truth, that all other things would be taken away from us, that our minds and hearts would be cleansed from all sin, and that, Lord, we would allow all our thoughts to be filtered through the Scriptures today, and that we, as we come to sing and pray and read the Scripture, and as the Word of God is opened in our hearts and minds, we would know the abiding presence of the Savior with us. Dear Lord, come today and suit a blessing, fit a blessing for every single person here and everyone watching online, those of us who know the Savior. Lord, let us be strengthened with might in the inner man. Help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. For those who are unsaved, Lord, break through into their hardened hearts and bring them to the foot of the cross where they will cry out, Lord, what must I do to be saved? And they will know the repentance unto life. They will know the joy of sins forgiven and of peace with God forever and ever. Work, Lord, in the hearts of unbelievers and bring them to Christ. Remember our sick ones today. There are many that we bring by name before the throne of grace often. We do so again today, Lord, and ask for the covering of Your blessing upon them for a direct touch of healing upon the bodies and, Lord, upon the minds and spirits of each one standing in need today. Lord, we ask for blessing upon all our churches. We ask for blessing upon every faithful pulpit that is presenting the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray again, Father, for the need of our land. We pray for a gracious awakening and a reviving of the church of Christ. Dear Lord, come in this time of our need, for we are in great need. And we pray the forces of evil will be hindered and stopped from going forward to fulfill their cause. Dear Lord, help us to be a bright light to shine in these dark days. Lord, make us all, we pray, useful in Your cause and kingdom. Bless us in our personal testimony and witness. Give us the joy, the blessing of leading souls to Christ. Dear Lord, bless our Sunday school, the boys and girls from the youngest age. We're thankful for the opening session we had this morning. Bless the teachers that present the Word of God faithfully to the boys and girls. Remember the youth and young adult class. Remember the adult class. 
Dear Father, bless all of our services. Thankful for the young adult fellowship time last evening, the good time of fellowship that was enjoyed. And we pray, Lord, that you would ever watch over and protect and keep from the world and the ravages of the evil one our youth. We pray as they are seeking for the mind of God for their future, you would lead them unmistakably. Lord, lead them to the right mate for their life. Lead them in the right employment. Lead them in their education. Oh God, hover over each one, we pray. Some we ask, Lord, because they may not be saved yet, we pray for their salvation. Some perhaps have strayed away and are even at this very point questioning in their mind where they stand in relation to the things of Christ. O oh God, I pray the devil will be defeated as he will love to come and wreck and tear apart our youth. Lord, put a very high wall around each one of them and bring them from their times of doubting into the ground and place of absolute and full assurance of where they stand in Christ today. Lord, give us joy in seeing our youth progressing on to be useful in the local congregation here, growing with strength and might in the things of Christ, and Lord, ever protecting and preserving them from being swallowed up by this present evil world. Lord, hear our prayer. Go before us today. Bless us in all of our meetings. We think of not only the service today, but we think of the prayer time tonight, the evening service, and our time of communion following the evening service tonight. Lord, may today be a very high day in your house and among your people. This we ask in our Savior's precious and holy name. Amen. We'll sing again, please, number 55. God moves in a mysterious way His wonders to perform. Let's stand, please, as we sing.
seated. We're going to read, please, in our Bibles this morning from the book of Isaiah, chapter 46. Isaiah, chapter 46. What we are going to read here it ties in most definitely from the hymn we were just singing, and it will tie into the message I want to bring to you later on in our service. That hymn by William Cooper, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. It has been, well, a great encouragement to God's people throughout church history and from the time that it was written right down until today because, well, it is a bit of a theological lesson in the very hymn itself, and it turns our attention back, as it should always in our singing of the hymns, to the Word of God and to the God of the Word. And we do not go far wrong when we use the hymns that have been given to us as devotional studies as well as our Bible study. And as we read through the hymns, it's very beneficial to take time to mark the Scripture verses where those hymns have been taken from and the themes that are brought out in those Scripture verses. They are so very, very important. Now, in the prophecy of Isaiah, the Gospel of Isaiah, chapter 46, it opens with these words, Bell boweth down and Nebo stoopeth. The prophet is mocking, really, beginning to mock, the idols and the gods that were set forward by the heathen nations that were around Israel. And in our study of the book of Daniel, we've been thinking about Belshazzar, and oftentimes the kings or the emperors, they would take their names or part of their names from the gods that they worshipped. And so Bel. Some people think it is a contraction of the god Baal. It doesn't really matter, but they were identifying different deities that they worshipped. And Nebo, also another Babylonian guard, Chaldean guard, a god rather, and we talked about Nabonidus in our study of Daniel. So he was also an emperor at that time. So just to help you understand as these gods are presented for us here, these idols and deities that were conjured and imagined in the minds of people, the very sad reality is that Israel, God's people who had the living and the true God, they were attracted to these deities. They were drawn in by them. And the very sad reality is that they replaced God, the living and the true God, with those that were not gods at all. But the Lord is emphasizing through His prophet that He is the only living and true God. He is the sovereign God. There is none like Him. There are no others beside Him. And friends, when we in our time may not bow down to such idols and yet we are also prone to be distracted from our Christian life by showing undue attention to the gods of this world. 
and those things that are made of gold and silver and of technology and all other things that our minds and hearts can easily be drawn away to. Beware, be careful. Let us not set anything before the living God, because when we do, we are no better than Israel or the heathens that worship Bel and Nebo. They're all gods. They're all things that are drawing our attention away from the living and the true God. Verse 1, Bel boweth down, Nebo stoopeth, their idols were upon the beasts and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaden. They are a burden to the weary beast. They stoop, they bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb, and even to your old age, I am he. Even to your whore, your white hairs, will I carry you. I have made, and I will bear, even I will carry, and will deliver you. To whom will ye liken me, and make me equal, and compare me? We may be like. They lavish gold out of the bag, and weigh silver in the balance, and hire a goldsmith, and he maketh it a god. They fall down, yea, they worship. They bear him upon the shoulder. They carry him and set him in his place. And he standeth from his place. Shall he not remove? Yea, one shall cry unto him, yet can he not answer, nor save him out of his trouble. Remember this, and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted, stubborn, that are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry, and I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. And how compassionate, how gracious is the Lord, 
to a people undeserving. Here were people that had replaced, exchanged their God, replaced the living God with that made of their own imagination. And yet the Lord reassures them, I will bring salvation. I will extend to you my grace. I will bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off, and my salvation, it shall not tarry. And I will place my salvation in Zion. And what is all that referring to? It is referring to the coming of the Messiah, the one who was the righteousness of God, the one who we are recommended and told, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. It is the Lord, the King of kings, the Messiah that was promised. And that salvation, the promise of God, is what He has blessed us with in our own hearts. Believer, today, rejoice in so great salvation. And if, friend, you have never trusted in Christ, if you have never tasted that He is gracious, the Lord extends to every soul here today salvation, saying, Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So, follow not the gods of your imagination. Follow not the gods of your own making. But listen and follow to the God of your eternal salvation. May the Lord bless His Word as we have looked at today so far. Welcome to our service today. We are very glad that you are here and we encourage you. And if you are visiting with us for the first time, either in person or online, then send us a note or sign our guest book. If you are here in person, we'll have a record of your stay with us. And again, I say to the folks viewing online, if we can be of any help to you by praying for some need that you have, or folks in the church here too, speak to me or write on the email that comes up on the screen, and we'll be sure to uh, get back to you and let you know we're praying for you. I want to say a word of, of thanks to every one of you who have been praying for me during the time of lecturing this past week for the students at GRS, Geneva Reform Seminary. Uh, we've been doing that online this week, and the Lord has given help, and He has renewed strength after the Lord's Day. Uh, last Lord's Day, coming to the class on Monday morning was a wearying time for at least trying to keep your attention focused, but the Lord gave help and strength, and I'm thankful for that. So please continue to remember myself and also the students much, please, in your uh, prayer. You perhaps have seen in the foyer the Christmas card that is now on the stand there, and our session and board have decided that the funds for our Christmas card appeal this year will be going to the work in Mexico, in Cordoba, Reverend Lalo Pena. And if you are new to our congregation and are not quite sure what this is all about, instead of exchanging Christmas cards to each other in our congregation, we decided many years ago a very good custom would be for us to raise funds and direct it to some mission uh, outreach or some home mission. And this year we're going to be directing those funds to Mexico. So you can simply mark on your envelope uh, for your offering, your special offering for that. If you just want to put on it Mexico, we will know 
It goes toward Brother Lalo Pena. And a word of thanks to our sister Lori, who prepared that Christmas card, and it's a very nice job that she has done there. So if you're going to make a donation there, we want you to sign your name on that card. And then when all those signatures are done, we will make sure that they are sent down to our brother Pena and the work in Cordoba uh, after that. If you could take care of that as quickly as possible so that we don't have those donations straggling into the new year, to have them all finalized before then, it would be a great uh, blessing. The young adults met last evening here in the church basement for their Christmas fellowship gathering. And uh, I think you probably will see a picture on the screen in the foyer of the gathering. Almost 30 young people and young adults were gathered. Much appreciation for those folks who organized that last night and everyone who was able to take part. I'm only sorry I couldn't be there. I had another, Jill and I had another dinner engagement with the Gullahers up in Barrie last uh, night. So we enjoyed some time with them. And, uh, but all all in all, I, I know that the young people had a very good time and a good meeting, so we're thankful for that. Please remember our services today and the afternoon at 5.50 for our time of prayer before the evening service, and our brother Diderno will be bringing the message in the service tonight, so I know he would appreciate your prayers. That will be at 6.30. Our youth choir will be meeting after our service tonight, and that will be after we finish and have our communion service, which will be scheduled following the evening service tonight. Every three months or so, we have a communion service in the evening, and uh, so please take note of that for tonight. Wednesday evening, the Bible study and prayer time, and Brother Alec Newell We'll be taking the prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Then Thursday, we have a session and board meeting, and that will be at 6 and 7.30. Gym fellowship going on on uh, Friday evening from 6 to 9. Next Lord's Day, Reverend Gallagher is going to be preaching and giving me a little help as I'm coming through these lectures. And so we're looking forward to the ministry of our brother next Lord's Day morning. Some encouraging news that we received from our Prince George congregation, Reverend Andrew Simpson. For some years now, he has been working in a pioneer work in a place called Williams Lake. It's about two hours or so from Prince George in northern British Columbia. And so there was a situation there where a, a particular church, it was a Baptist church that had uh, really not been used for some time, and the trustees of that church were familiar with the work that was going on in Williams Lake. And so they approached Reverend Simpson and they offered to give them the church if they would make use of it. And so as they sought the Lord about this matter and the session and the uh, deacons uh, connected with Prince George, they thought about this. And so they've all agreed, yes, definitely, we will take up this ministry, this responsibility and so they have now been, it's been finalized. They have now had that church signed over to them. And so it's a big undertaking and an opportunity for them to see how that work will develop further in Williams Lake. And uh, do please pray for Brother Simpson and 
the responsibilities he will have. He has been, they, in the way they have been working this so far, they've had a morning service, they had fellowship afterward, and they had an afternoon service that was very soon. They've been doing that for quite a few years now. And then Brother Simpson would drive then to Williams Lake and do an afternoon or evening service and then drive back home again. So it was quite a, a busy Lord's Day for him. And do continue to pray for our brother. Well, as they are seeking now for the Lord to develop this ministry in Williams Lake even further, we are anxious to see how God will step in to do that. So that's some encouraging news there regarding that. A couple of advanced things to think about. I want to give you a final opportunity for changes to our address directory for 2023. And if you could be sure that any changes are in by next Lord's Day, that would be very helpful. And uh, don't just forget about that as I say it, because no sooner do we get this printed and someone says, oh, I forgot to tell you my cell phone changed or my address changed. No, no think about that now. Look at the directory. Be sure that what we have there is accurate and true, and uh, we'll be sure to get that printed and have it for you for the convenience of the congregation. We don't distribute those, these things or send them out farther than those folks who are just part of our local fellowship here. Thinking about the Lord's Day on December the 25th, Christmas Day, we will be having our services in the morning and then the afternoon we'll have an international lunch following the morning service. And we want to encourage everyone to come with their families. And if you have friends, what an opportunity to invite them to church on Christmas Day. Maybe someone is not attending a church anywhere. Or maybe someone would just like to come and invite them for the dinner time. And you just let us know. We'll have a list posted there how many will be coming, you think, from your family. And everyone will just bring and contribute the food. And it's always a great time of fellowship. There will be an afternoon praise service at 2.30, sometime around there, and uh, there will be no evening service on that particular day. Looking forward to a time of blessing and of fellowship. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise, 494. And we will stand as we sing, All the way my Savior leads me.
singing is good today to the worship of the Lord. Returning in our Bibles now to the book of Romans, chapter 8. The book of Romans, chapter 8, beginning our reading at verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature or creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain for together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that, sanctify, he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God before us, who can be against us? We'll end our reading there. I encourage you, please, to bow in a word of prayer. Father, as we have this word open now, we are standing before a, a great sea. We're standing before, Lord, 
words, doctrines, teachings that are, are very vast. And I pray, Lord, that we would have help by the Spirit to understand them. Give me grace, Lord, today to speak the Word of God faithfully and clearly. Work in the hearts of the unsaved. Work in the hearts of each one of us who profess faith in Christ. And Lord, teach us again to rest, to not be afraid, to be patient in our Christian life. Lord, encourage our hearts today now. and Bless us, for we pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. It's no surprise to us who are students of the Word, even to some degree, that the God who is presented to us in the Bible is a sovereign Lord. He is the all-knowing and all-powerful God that created all things out of nothing. He knows the end of time from the beginning of eternity. Then, if we do not see and worship a God who is described in this manner, then we do not have a God at all. For if the Lord is subject to the vacillating and fickle will of man, then what kind of a God is this that we are worshiping? No, He is not subject to any of His created beings. The Scripture tells us that the Lord God has ordered all things for one overriding purpose. In Revelation 4 and verse 11, we have these words, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure, Thy glory, they are and they were created. For God's everlasting glory, these things were made. The pleasure of God is therefore evidenced in His created beings, and especially it is evidenced through the redemption of His created beings. The love of God to His people. The love of God that is revealed to the body of Christ, the church. It's the priority of His sovereign purposes in all the affairs and all of the events and all of the working out of history. And we have this contained and summarized in chapter 8 and verse 28 of Romans. This is the word I want us to think about this morning. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Yesterday morning, I was speaking with 
Brother Milos Schultz, Pastor Schultz from the Czech Republic. We were having some fellowship. It was 8 o'clock in the morning for me, and they are six hours difference in time ahead, so it was just afternoon or about that for them. We were chatting over and having some fellowship, getting up to date just on how things are going in his work, and he was wanting to know how things were going here, and he wanted to be remembered to the entire congregation. I wanted to thank you all for your praying for him and for the work of God there in the Czech Republic. So in the course of things, he said, yes. He said, well, tomorrow morning, I'm going to be speaking on Romans 8.28. And I smiled to myself for a minute, and I said, are you kidding me? I said, that's exactly the same verse that I'm going to be speaking on tomorrow morning. And so he said, well, brother, that's a confirmation for you, and likewise for me as well. Sometimes that happens, and it's very strange when you think about it, of all the texts of the Bible and of all the Scriptures, and you happen to be talking to someone and completely unaware, well, another minister, the Lord is directing His mind and His Spirit along exactly the same thinking. Sometimes when we consider this verse of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, it's so well known It is so often repeated on cards and bookmarks and so on. Sometimes we can use that verse a bit too casually. We can say it, oh yes, all things work together for good to them that love God, and we maybe forget to stop and pause and to think as I encourage you today and this morning as we meditate on this verse of inspired Scripture that it will be written on our hearts, that God will use its truth and stamp it upon our minds, and that we will enter into the power of these words, that we will understand the weight of what the Apostle Paul, by the Spirit of God, is communicating to the church in his day, because those words are eternal words And what was applicable in that day was applicable in the day of Moses. And it so stands true in our day today. And believer, whatever and wherever you are this very day, feast on these words and take them to your heart as we think about them and seriously ponder them. The key to unlock this verse is to know who it applies to. And it is to those who love God, those who are called according to His purpose. In chapter 9 and verse 11 of the same book, we have that the purpose of God according to election might stand and that we, according to Ephesians 1 and verse 11, have been predestinated according to the purpose of Him that worketh all things according to the counsel of His own will. We are are confronted with words and with teaching that is given to us by the Lord, inspired by the Spirit of God. And here to be taught again that all things work together for good to them, to those people who are in love with God, 
to those people whose hearts have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, to everyone who has been born again by the Spirit of God. And this is not something that is from the will of the flesh, not something from the will of man, but it is something that has come from God. For the Holy Spirit has opened our understanding. The Spirit of God has brought us to the foot of the cross, has opened our understanding to see by sovereign grace that, yes, we are sinners, and that Jesus Christ is the only Savior of men. And when that has taken place, we who once hated God in our sin, we who once were at enmity with Him in our sinful state, have now been taken out of darkness and have been brought into the light and the liberty of the sons of God. And now today we are children of the Most High. We have been adopted into His family. And once we have been brought into His family, we can never be ejected from His family. We are eternally secure in Christ Jesus. And these are the people to whom this verse is written today. And if you are such a person, then God has a loving message for you today. He is a message for your heart. He is a message for your soul that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And you know, the first part of that verse speaking about those who love God, my, that proves the second that we are called of God Because, friend, if in your heart you love the Lord Jesus Christ, if you know you bear the witness of the Spirit of God that you love the Lord, then it's evidence that you have been called of God. Dear friends, the Spirit of the Lord makes no mistakes. But we do not know how and where the Spirit of God will move or when He will move. The Lord Jesus told us that very clearly in John chapter 3, that the Spirit moves where He lists, where He desires. And we may hear the sound of the wind, but we cannot see the wind. We might see the effect of the wind, but we don't see the wind itself. Does that mean there is no wind Just because we with our physical eyes cannot see, it does not mean that something is non-existent. And the invisible God, as the Apostle speaks of, the invisible Spirit, He is at work. And our prayer is that He's at work in this very congregation, as I know He is, and He is at work in the hearts of those people whom God leads us to witness to and to share our faith. Friend, do you love the Lord today? Do you know that He is your Savior? Martin Luther gave testimony himself before he was saved. 
He was in his monastery. He was in his cell, his room. And he would often beat himself until the blood would run down his back, thinking that somehow he would appease God. Somehow he would punish himself and afflict his own flesh in order that God would accept him and his guilt would be taken away from him. He was in the darkness of his own sin then. And he cried out at that time, I cannot love God. I cannot love God. Because he knew he hated God in his heart. And that only added more to his sense of guilt. But no, friend, once once the Spirit has moved upon us, and opened our understanding. Now today we say, by God's grace, I love the living God. I love my Lord Jesus. He is mine, and I am His. Not just for the years of time alone, but for all eternity. The first thought I leave with you today is this, about God's sovereign, overriding purpose. All things work together for good. For the good of His people. I wonder, friend, does your circumstance cause you to question at times the goodness of God toward you? This is a temptation This is a problem that at some time or another in your Christian life, you're going to be tempted to this because when something devastating occurs to you, something happens in your life you are unexpecting, you're going to ask the question, how could God allow this to happen to me? I don't understand. Why, Lord, is this circumstance come to me? Did I do something wrong? Are you angry with me? Why has this event occurred? And we're not asking that question by way of simple information. We're asking it more out of doubt. We're asking it accusing the Lord in some way. It's not fair. It's unjust. And dear friend, If you have been tempted like that recently, or if you are going through some time right now where you're questioning God's goodness to you, remember, remember that the greatest example of God's love and His goodness to you is this. You come back to the cross. Never let the estimation or your consideration of the cross of Christ be very far from your mind. Because whenever you're in the throes of a temptation like doubting the goodness of God, think, oh, no, no, Lord, I, I dare not think that because I only have to consider what you did in the cross. I only have to consider that God sent His only begotten Son into this world because He so loved my soul. He so loved me that He sent His Son to bear the cross. And Christ so loves your soul, friend, that He willingly submitted Himself to the will of His Father. He wasn't 
doing this unwillingly to go to the cross. He did that because of us, because of you today. And His love for you is so great and so vast and so deep and so beyond our comprehension that when we are tempted to question God, we say, no, Lord, but I will come again to see what my Lord suffered. I will come again to try and enter in of what it was for my Father in heaven to have the wrath of sin poured out upon His only begotten Son. And dear friends, let us be prepared to have our eyes and our hearts open wide. Remember that God's good for us is not to be determined in a temporal way. We are so much of the world, aren't we? And we all, we all avoid pain at every cost, and we want to avoid discomfort. We want to avoid inconvenience. We want to avoid all those things that are going to be just uncomfortable to deal with. Well, that's part of being a human being. We don't look forward to pain. We don't invite suffering. And therefore, because of our humanness, we are so prone to evaluate the things that happen to us in eternal understanding. Let's be very clear that the good that God intends for His people, while it may include the blessings in this life, and we will be thankful for that, the main foundation, the main support, the main meaning of the good that God is intending, it is an eternal good. It is everlasting. It is not temporal. And if we get a grasp of that, we will have a clearer understanding of what is being spoken here. Look back at verse 18 of chapter 8. We started with that today. He said, For I, I reckon... That's a good word. It is the word to account. It's the word to... We get the word justification. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Oh, friends, let us not miss that, what he's saying. Paul had the right perspective. He, he was looking beyond this life. He was looking into eternity. And he had a man who had suffered so many things, and the list he's given to us in the Scripture, not to boast of, but to be an encouragement for us. He didn't have anything in this life he didn't have the goods that many of us have today. No, all of that had been stripped away from him. And yet he could say, I am accounting. I am considering. I've done the work. I've done the math. I'm looking at my accounting sheet. And I can see that the things that look to be on the negative side, no, no, the positive, the income side, it is far outweighed the, uh, the negative side. 
It has far outweighed all that is bad. I reckon that the sufferings, the negative side of this life, they are not to be compared. They're not even to enter on the tally sheet because of so much that I have in eternity. The eternal perspective. Friend, are we seeing that in our lives? My dear young friend, I say to you today, are you considering the weight? You're looking forward to your career, your life in front of you. You're looking forward to what you're going to be able to be settled in this life. And there's a hope, there's an aspiration, there's a, a general human thinking that is not necessarily wrong. But do not place your attention upon that. Because you know something all the things that are around us are fleeting. All the things around us are going to be burned up one day and maybe sooner than we know because this world and all that we have is going to be consumed by God. And all the things that we cherish, all the things that we look to to see of value, they're going. They're going away. They're not going to last but the thing that's going to last for us is exactly what the Apostle is talking about here, that which is, will be revealed in us, the glory of God for all eternity. That is our hope. That is our home. And that, my dear friends, is the good that God is talking about here in this verse. The Apostle says in 2 Corinthians... Chapter 4, our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Our light affliction. You know yourself, when you have suffered pain, whether it is at the, in the dentist chair or from the doctor's sutures, from the needles that you might get, from the pain of a broken bone. That pain is real, and you feel it. But you know something? As soon as the pain is gone, you don't know what that pain is. You, you can't experience it. You only experience pain in the moment that is affecting you physically. And as soon as that is gone, you don't know what it's like. It's a bit like hot and cold. If you go outside in sub-zero temperatures without your coat on, you feel the cold immediately. But as soon as you come into a warm building and you're warmed up and there's no more chills, you, you don't know what cold is. You cannot experience that. It's gone from you. And my friend, that's, that's the way it's going to be for us. When we get into glory, when we come to heaven, we're going to have forgetfulness of all things that have gone behind us. And Paul said, these things of this life, they are not worthy to be compared. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Our life, we are told, is like a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And from the exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He runs out of words. 
to compare these things because there is no comparison. And yet, we have somewhat of a description here for us. Believer, think today and rejoice today in the goodness of God towards you. Thomas Manton, a Puritan writer, he wrote this, This good is not to be determined by our fancies or conceits, but by the wisdom of God. For God knoweth what is better for us than we do for ourselves. Should the shepherd or the sheep choose his pastures, the child be governed by his own fancy or the father's discretion? And so, Mr. Manton uses some very clear illustrations there to point out, as he is saying, we have to be released, friends, from our so human thinking on these matters. And we must turn our attention to realize that God's overriding purpose for you and for me, for all of His people, is our good. And that good is an eternal, an everlasting good which He is bringing to pass in our lives. We have been praying for many sick ones in our congregation. I think of our sister Serene today. We've been praying for her in her time of great sickness. Brother Ron, Sister Joan, many others, the elderly, the ones who are shut in and not able to get out to the house of God and enjoy the fellowship that you're enjoying today. And these are times of great trial for them. These are hard times for them. They feel it. They're experiencing it now. Ah, but to pray that they will know the fullness and the power and the truth of this verse in their own hearts to realize that this is but a fleeting moment of my experience. Oh, yes, it's gone on for years, and you're wondering, Lord, why and will it not come to an end? Can we rest and say, Lord, your everlasting purpose is being worked out and can in such a life or circumstance you be brought to understand that, Lord, you only intend for my good. Therefore, help me to see that what I am going through now is for our good and for God's glory and it will be seen to that end when we come to our eternal reward. Friends, notice in the second place today what the means are to the end that God is intending. How are we going to get there? Well, we are told that all things are working together for good. You would put in that, as I have done before, well, some things seem to be working for good. I can pick those ones out. Those are the benefits and the blessings. Most things are working out for good. Pretty well all things, I think. No, it doesn't say that. We are told that it is all things. When we trust in a sovereign God, 
And we read in Isaiah 46 this morning, the Lord is the sovereign Lord who calls, did you note this, a ravenous bird from the east. What, one bird? One, one bird of prey? God, God calls one bird from some place to do what? He calls one ravenous bird to do his bidding. How was Elijah fed when he was by the brook Kareth? He was fret, fed by the ravens. Ravens were ravenous birds. They were birds that ate carrion. They were birds that it was not in their nature to share what they had. But God called that bird. For what purpose? To feed His servant. God calls the minutest things of His creation to fulfill His purpose for His people, for His church. And that is a blessing, friends, that we need not forget about. God's plan for human history It will be seen when we look at the macro, the larger events. But if we miss the micro, the small events, we will lose out. He calls the bird to do his bidding. He calls the the bees and the hornets. They are his army in the minor prophets. We have examples there how God sends his army against the armies of his people. And when the bees come and the wasp and the hornets, everything stands still. People can't function. If you have one bee in your car as you're driving down the road, you're in danger of a crash, especially if that bee comes near you. You're you're concentrating fully on that one little creature because you know what it's capable of, and you don't want that. Now think of a whole army of them. Yes, the Lord uses the smallest creatures to send terror into the hearts of men. God purposes and plans from the smallest thing. He calls a ravenous bird from the east. He calls a single man to do his bidding. He raises up kings. He raises up kings that are in charge of empires. He raised up a Nebuchadnezzar, the head of the largest empire, the world empire in that day. He he raised up a Belshazzar, as wicked as he was. He raised up Darius, the king of the Medes, and all that were going to come after him. The Lord is the sovereign God of heaven and earth, and He is in control, friends, of all events. Sometimes we find this very hard to comprehend. We cannot especially when it comes down to the comprehension of God's allowance of evil and of suffering and of pain. These are real problem areas, especially for those who are atheistic or questioning, agnostic. Does God exist? How could He exist if He allows these things? And man begins to try to comprehend this If there is a God of love that is spoken of in the Bible, how could He allow this? How could He do this? How could this be done? And in the great sovereign counsels of the Lord, when He superintends and allows these things, it is working according to a purpose. And all along we must remember and know that God is not the author of sin, but the Lord by His providential purposes allows and make use of evil and wicked men to accomplish His own end. He calls men to the forefront for His purposes. And if you have a problem with that, or if you're going to judge that, 
Well, the Apostle Paul has a word in Romans for anyone who that does that. You as the clay speaking to the potter, how are you going to say, why have you made me this way, or how come you've done that? The analogy is very real because the potter, of course, is the one who designs and determines how he's going to make the clay into whatever vessel he chooses. And if humanity rejects that, if humanity is unhappy about that, it is humanity's problem. But God does not change, and He remains the same. And His Word has given to us the reassurance of these things, that God is at work. Jacob, when he was faced with the loss of Joseph and Reuben and Benjamin, Joseph, he had been told, was rent by the wild animals. Reuben, Benjamin, well, Reuben was held captive by Pharaoh, by Joseph in Egypt. They didn't know at that time, but he was bound in front of them. And then, of course, Benjamin was supposed to come. He was the youngest one, the last child. And Jacob said, no, he cannot go. I, I have lost all this. I will not lose any more. And he said in exasperation, all these things are against me. And that was the very human side of Jacob. And by the way, that's the very human side of many of us. Because we will say the same thing. We're no different than Jacob was. And in the moment of his weakness, in the moment when he took his eyes off the sovereign purpose of God, he did not see. He was blinded. But he would see before very long. Human time, we count as a long time, but not with the Lord. Because whether it was a matter of days or weeks or months or years, Jacob would soon see that all the things he thought were against him, it was not against him. It was God working out a greater plan, a greater purpose, because all things work together for good to them that love God who are called according to His purpose? Yes, friend. We don't blame a man like Jacob because we see his reflection when we look in the mirror and it reminds us of ourselves. But faith and the gift of faith and resting in the Word of a sovereign God is what we need. You see, friend, when we view events in their isolation. When we view events in the, by themselves, we will never make sense of them. It's only going to be when we see not the horizontal perspective, but when we look at the vertical perspective from the eyes of God, then we will be able to rest and see, hey, yes, the things that God is doing, many of them difficult to comprehend in themselves, Yet through them, God is teaching us lessons. He is instructing us that we would have absolute dependence upon Him. That's what He wants from us. That we come to trust in Him and trust in His ways. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. 
And we know how easy that is to do when things are going well for us, but not so easy to do when things are going against us. He wants our dependence to be upon Him. When bad things happen to God's people, and we estimate them that way, it will be by the Lord's grace and faith that enables us to see that if we have, if we're standing on the outside of a burning house, and it's our house that's being burned up, we have much to praise God for. Yes, we may have lost earthly possessions, but we are not inside the burning house. We're standing on the outside looking at them, and that's a great blessing for us. And when we're standing on the outside of a burning house, we know that our soul is not on fire, and our soul will not be devastated and lost forevermore. Angel James, a commentator, wrote this. He said, The believer's history is not an unconnected series of events. They form a perfect scheme or plan. His life, death, infancy, old age, all enter into the one grand scheme which providence is causing to produce for our spiritual benefit. All things work together for good. If you look at a, even a simple piece of machinery, if you look at a clock, if you've ever had one taken apart before, and there are gears and wheels and springs, and of course I'm not talking about an electronic one, we're looking at the old mechanical kind, and if you were to take out one small spring or one small gear from that mechanism, the whole thing would shut down and stop. Because every part has a purpose. And God is using all the parts in our life for His purpose. Let us not run from that, friend, but let us see, rather, what He is doing. And we pray it will be for our understanding. Many years ago, I, uh, before I was married, actually, car I had, the transmission went on it. And as a young guy and working and replacing a transmission was not a, a, a welcome thought because it was very expensive back then, as it is more expensive today. And so anyways, I had to take it to a transmission shop, went there. The guy assessed how much it was going to cost. Okay, I got to go ahead and do it. And in the course of time when I was there and talking to the mechanic and the conversation came around. I was a young Christian then and had very little experience in testifying to people what it was to witness to someone. And so he mentioned something about God and in a cursing way. And so I, I began to talk to the man. And he was somewhat receptive. And the Lord opened up a door for me as a young Christian to really give my testimony to him and tell him about what it meant to trust in Christ as a Savior. And the Lord opened up a great opportunity. I don't ever know what happened to that man, but I came home and I shared with my mom. I said, you know, I was so annoyed that that transmission went on the car. I knew I was going to have to pay so much. 
But I said to her, I'm actually thankful that it broke down. And I don't mind the money I have to pay now because God opened a door that I would not have had otherwise. And friends, may the Lord help us to look beyond the badness of a circumstance and to see what He is doing in our lives. I close very briefly with this, the certainty that it will be accomplished. For the Apostle starts off in verse 28, and we, we know. This was a certainty that he had as an apostle, but it was a certainty he had as just a simple believer in Christ. This was the certainty of faith that we know from the Scripture and from the revelation God has given. We know it's not conjecture, it's not opinion, but it's a declaration of absolute certainty because we are not depending on what we know ourselves, we're depending on what God has revealed to us. We have the evidence of history. You begin to look around studying the Scriptures. We have the evidence of our own experience. And above all, we have the foundation of God's holy word. And that is a great assurance for us. Believer, you may be battered with doubts and with fears. Circumstances in your life have turned in a very bad way. But I say again, look back to this verse of Scripture. Look back to the truth that is conveyed here. And may our hearts be overwhelmed with thanksgiving to the Lord and appreciation for what He has done and given to us. In the bulletin today online, if you have read it already, that's a devotional Brother Jonathan put in from, by Dr. Henry Morris. Let me read a little section for you. There comes a time in each life when loneliness overshadows like a cloud and no one is there to listen and provide counsel. Or perhaps there is some problem so personal and intimate that it seems unfitting or too embarrassing to share with anyone else. But God will listen. No need is so small, no place too remote, no burden too heavy, that He who is the God of all grace and the God of all comfort will listen and care. The Lord will hear when I call unto Him. Young people sometimes complain that parents won't listen to them. Wives may say their husbands don't listen. Sometimes it seems that no one will listen to our questions or ideas about anything. But the Lord is nigh. He is near unto all them that call upon Him and to all that call upon Him in truth. Therefore, pour out your hearts before Him, for He is a refuge unto His people and that devotional and those words of advice, they fit in so well with us in our life, viewing and observing all the events, sometimes thinking we're in isolation, we're alone, and no one hears and no one cares. But I say to you today, Jesus cares. The God of your salvation loves you with an everlasting love, and He cares for you with such a care. Therefore, 
let us cast all our hearts and our lives upon Him, and we will not be afraid. We'll be able to sleep at night in peace, and we can awake tomorrow, the next day, whatever days the Lord gives us, and we will have confidence because we know that our God does all things well and always and only for our good. We're going to close our service today by singing hymn number 487. Sometime we will understand. Not now, but in the coming years. It may be in a better land. We'll read the meaning of our tears. And there sometime we will understand. We'll stand and sing please, uh, verses 1, 4, and 5. for the great joy of knowing and having this verse of Scripture and the Word of God that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Write this Word upon every believing heart. Help, help us, Lord, we pray, as we go through the great challenges of life. Help us to see that our light affliction but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal 
weight of glory. Hear our prayer today, Father. Bless and save precious souls. Part us in your fear. With your rich blessing, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.